Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for September 2nd of 2017. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh from HockeyHeads.com. And for the, what, the next four podcasts, I think? Oh, I'd say so. We're, uh, we're going to take a stab at uh, some predictions and analysis of each division. Tonight will be Pacific. Don't know what the hell the other order is, but we'll get to the other three eventually. <laughs> but uh, we usually try to close the summer off when not much going on and uh, preview it leading up through training camp to when the real game starts. So that that's going to be our game plan. I don't know if it'll be a month, but you know the next four should should have a theme of a division, uh, and we'll sprinkle in some other stuff as well. So. That's the game plan moving forward. Um, yeah, Pacific. Weakest, at least last year. And I, excuse me, I still stand by the fact I think that this year, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I can't, um, can't argue against that too much. Nobody's really got that, uh, you know, there's not a, the LA Kings of a few years ago or Chicago Blackhawks or anything like that, uh, jumping out in that division. So there are that, certainly, that, there's certainly better teams, uh, relatively speaking within the, the division, but, um, uh, I'd be surprised if the Stanley cup champion came from, from there. You, you, you say that though, and I fully agree with everything you've said, but it wouldn't surprise me if Connor McDavid took Edmonton, all the way, and I've said earlier in the podcast through the summer, I think Edmonton are going to have a, a drop off, but it won't be because of McDavid. But you know, LA have, have gone backwards. Arizona's still not ready. Vancouver's Vancouver. You've got the Golden Knights in there. I feel like it's a four horse race upon which two teams could conceivably fall apart due to age, and are the other two teams ready to push forward? That's probably where I'm at with the whole division. What um, do you want to – I mean, we'll go team by team, but do you want to start at the top of the division or the, the bottom dwellers? Start at the bottom and work our way up. All right. Um, I think Vegas is the bottom. I, I, I do too, and that will upset Vancouver because theoretically that's what they should be trying to do. I thought Vegas did a terrible job with whatever it is that they were trying to accomplish with the expansion draft. Well, they, over, they, they, they oversold on defensemen and thought they could just ship them off for, for draft assets. And no, you, you, you end up with too much. You end up flooding your own market. You, no one's going to take them from you. They got cute with all of that, and I thought they would have been better off just taking best player available from a lot of those teams. That just rolls with the draft, though. The draft's exactly the same thing. Just take the best player available. I don't know why that changes because it's an expansion draft and you've got a, a larger history of players to choose from. Like, with the draft, it's really hard because you've got no pro experience for a lot of them. You get here, theoretically, you should be able to go best player available because we have actual adult pro experience in the NHL for these players, and they still got it wrong. They had the best opportunity out of any uh, expansion team to be good quicker than any of the previous. Because there's some 
not not like a ton, but there's talent available in in the draft. Like back in the day, James Neal, a caliber player, was not going to be part of the expansion draft. No, no, not at all. So they had other options like that through that they you know decided not to go for if they were I mean they could have taken someone different than Fleury from Pittsburgh but they did Pittsburgh a favor I mean that they wanted the personality and and he's certainly um, not a he's he's a the last couple of years been a good goalie so I mean I can somewhat understand that but yeah I guess getting that second round pick, even though it's like in ten years or whatever, <laughs> whatever it is, <laughs> I think it's twenty twenty. I mean, they didn't totally screw it up. They've got Marshall on peanuts. Who? Oh, hang on, I'm getting myself mixed up. Who is the guy that played in Florida? Riley Smith. Uh... and Riley Smith, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I th- yeah, I like that, but like they had a lot of good defense options and just didn't didn't go after it. And they've got too many now. They've got eleven signed. Yeah. So those that have to go, those that they'll have to ship down, will have to clear waivers, and somebody will will take them, I'm sure. And their assets that they gave away theoretically for nothing. Well, it sucks for my brother. He's a season ticket holder. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll say this. I, I like their Twitter account. Pretty funny. Usually. Okay, so it's, it is definitely number one on, on Twitter at the moment. We'll see how that goes if the losses start racking up, whether they can still poke fun at themselves or whether they're told to ease off. Yeah, we're kind of beating up on a first-year expansion team here, but I, I do like that they expanded to Vegas and – it was always going to be kind of a, a rough first year go at it. So it is what it is, but they're going to be at the bottom of what is probably the weakest division. Well, they're going to be below Vancouver. And I think the only other team that would compete with that would be Colorado. So, uh, Oh, for overall or yeah. Yeah. It's tough to, Maybe we'll put off the central until that Duchesne trade finally goes through. We might, we, we might be waiting until mid-November. Right, right. Um, <laughs> do you have Vancouver as the next... Um... I do. I do have the Paul Canucks as the next team on that list. We're going alphabetically backwards, technically, at the moment. Man, they still suck. But that's what happens when you've got a set of twins you can't trade separately and then you overcommit for a couple of years long, longer than you should for other players. It's just, for me, it was traditional general managing in an era where that's gone now. You, you have to be far more cutthroat with your second contracts that you give people or contracts after success. And the Canucks are, are now in a situation where they're, Paying the price for some of those deals. Well, maybe, just maybe, they can find a trade for the Sedins this year. They, well, it's one year. 
it they are on expiring deals. If now if they could both act like adults and be traded to different teams, that would really help the Canucks out and themselves. Like I don't know what contender can take on. Let's let's say money does get retained. You can only retain so much, and that's how much can you retain from twelve mil? How many contenders have even eight mil available? Plus the assets you're going to have to give up for both of them. Well, I suppose the the big thing for me with the with the twins is, will I actually have any value? If if they go as a pair, and they say we're only going to go together. The Canucks are like, well, we're not going to re-sign them next year. Which we don't know. We just assume. No, I know. But say, say they're in that situation. It's like they're not going to, they're not going to sign again in Vancouver. Vancouver have gone. That's it. We have to move on from this pair. They've been absolutely awesome for us, but we can't. In the construct of what we think we need to do as a franchise, we can't bring them back. Um, getting anything back for assets that would be lost at the end of the year would be a bonus. You'd expect it to be first-round picks because of who they are historically, but. I don't know. It just feels like a, a franchise has only just realized they should be losing and, and they didn't try last year to lose and they probably should have. Yeah, they're in that middle ground, that awesome middle ground that you can't do much with it. It's, it's tough. It's tough being in a market that had success but never won. But you, you've got these Louis Erickson, Brandon Sutter... Derek Dorsett. That's uh, not even including the two mil they gave Vanek yesterday or whatever it was. I don't mind that one just because if he does play well, they can trade him at the deadline, and that would actually contribute towards a rebuilding process. You can make the argument that if he plays well, he's going to score goals for you, but give up a ton of goals anyway. So it probably suits your... Suits your theory in the flipping asset idea. Vanek is a third wheel on a line for finishing ability. His possession driving skills are horrendous. He has to put up points or he serves no purpose. While players that drive possession that go cold are still providing a service to the team. All right. So everybody what? goes through offensive cold streaks. So. Yeah. Like, so my question, my question then with Bannock is that if you need to put him on a possession driving line, you can't play him with Brandon Sutter. So do you kick Louis Erickson off his wing? I want to see Sutter and Vanek now. No, so you'd have to have Sutter and no, Erickson. No, I, I want to see it. Oh, you... <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to see it. Oh, you're cruel. Um, throw Dorset on there too. <sighs> See if we can break the thirty percent. You get what I'm saying. So yeah, it's, just, I, it's I one of those it. things where you get him. You have to play him with the Sedins because he doesn't drive possession himself. And then you know the actually the that, Sedins, that that probably would be okay. What does that do to Louis Erickson? You throw a Louis Erickson who was quite productive with the Twins next to Brandon Sutter. Who you and I both don't rate. And well, you, well you're, you're paying Louis Erickson six mil to fucking do something. I never said the contract they signed him to was a good one. No, but Louis Erickson, <laughs> like when when you commit to a player like that, um, the the idea isn't he needs to be attached to fourteen million to do anything. 
No, that's that's true. But then he's aging though, and he he used yeah. to be very good. Um, no, well, this plays into the problem why Vancouver sucks. Because now well, whoever doesn't get to play with the Sedins is either with Sutter or, you know, whoever. I'll say this, Sam right. Gagne, I, I don't mind that signing at all. No, but he's a compliment. This is the thing that, like, because they're in that transition stage, the good signings would be great signings on a team that was looking to push for a cup. Like, Sam Gagne is a third or a fourth line center, a bit of a high ticket probably for a contending team. He's a great signing, but for him, they're going to ask him to play a, a larger role than he was asked to play in uh, Columbus. And so they're going to pull a guy out of a spot that he can play well in. Yeah, That's all. He, Everyone's trying to play up the lineup. Yeah, the thing you need to understand with um, Gagne is he played fourth-line minutes, but first-line power play. Yeah. And it fit, you know, the kind of player he is. He got the sheltered minutes, uh, got to flash his skill on a power play, and he put up points and was a, a net positive for the team. But they really did have to shift around a lot of their what they did to, to accommodate him. So the question is, if he gets to play in that role again, I think he will succeed. Do the, does the coaching staff get blinded by that success and try to shift him up the lineup? Like, I couldn't blame a coach for wanting to do that. Because you go, well, he's doing well with this. How about we give him harder minutes and see if he can handle them? I just... I. For this team, I, they should be trying to lose. So us trying to work out how to get the most out of a guy like Sam Grenier is great for the coaching staff, but it's shitty for the front office. They have a new coach, right? Yeah. I haven't been I doing know. very good this summer paying attention to stuff. I, I don't know. That I, is. I don't know either. And then, you know, as I told you before the podcast, I'm in the garage. I'm in my garage living room. I, I don't have a computer in front of me, so. Tisk, tisk, tisk. I don't have a stats site to use either, so what the fuck's the difference? Well, I'm literally on Cat Friendly right now. That's basically what I'm using for the rosters. I'm literally waiting for. Yeah, I got Corsi my phone on the Hockey Buzz roster pages. That's <laughs> a lot of preparation put into this one. I'm in a recliner, I uh, have my mosquito cover on the garage. On a nice, cool night, I'm doing good. Basically, I'm all set up for couch tour for fish once this is over. <laughs> so, eh. there's nothing. There's nothing in the back end of this roster that really excites me. I mean, Tanev's great at it. He is a uh, defensive defenseman. Like, yeah, it and is he's a, great at the, it. the complementary version of it. He actually does do a great job at uh, suppressing shots, which. Um, you hear that phrase used more times than not. It's a misleading uh, backhanded compliment that saying a player sucks. I don't believe that's the case with Tanev. Must be because he played at the Rochester Institute of Technology. <laughs> and my friend may or may not have recruited him. <laughs> Obviously all very good reasons. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, I don't got much more to add on Vancouver. They're, they're, you know, it's, and I suppose it shows you how good Toronto did at flipping the switch from being stuck in that middle ground all the time to then just bottoming out and then being able to recover because Edmonton really, really struggled. Vancouver is struggling. 
Buffalo look like they're having a bit of difficulty trying to get the transition back up. So well, the thing you know, with Toronto is they they did the smart tank. It wasn't um, misguided. We're racking up draft picks because we're trying to like Edmonton fucked up into the the multiple top picks. Whereas Toronto, oh, they didn't try. They just they were just bad because of poor management. Like that's that's why the Toronto. But that's why Toronto like, got to flip it quick because they had some good players uh, the year that they you know, lost out for Austin Matthews, but they were constructing their roster on um, variance with, with save percentage and shooting percentage. They were, instead of finding bad possession players, they were altering uh, some of that other stuff and they were losing and it, it worked out quite well. Yes, and, they, and they hit number one, they hit number one. That, that was only a 25% chance if I'm correct. Yeah, it, look, it, it, it helps when you get that. I mean, you look at the future of Edmonton and... But they and hit Buffalo. on Marner and Nylander, and that's big. But that, that's the, and it's one of those things where that'll be the, the turning point for a, a franchise like Vancouver will be hitting on those other ones. Like, the top five picks, theoretically, should be great, good, you know, good to great to superstar players, franchise-changing players, if you get, you know, pick number one, number two... Some of the years, but it's the ones, what would you say, 6 to 33, that if you hit one out of the park with those, your franchise is a hell of a lot of more steps forward than it was prior. Yeah. Not always easy to do, though. No, no. Look, there's, there's skill and there's luck involved in, in players developing. Anyone that tells you that they thought Henrik Lundqvist was going to be the goalie that he was drafted where he was, is lying to you. I agree. So, yeah. um, who do you reckon is going to be affable above Vancouver? All right, let me take a quick glance here. Not the two Alberta teams. No. Dallas is in the central. Yep. I was thinking probably Arizona. Yeah, that's that's my pick too. I think I think they're on their way. It's just going to take. They just don't quite there. Yeah. But I gotta say, um, they've done a. Um, Shike has done a nice job of using leverage on some teams to to because he has salary cap space and you know whether it's taken on a, a the stupid Datsuk and Pronger stuff or putting Chicago over a barrel and somehow landing Chalmerson. Yeah, that one's the big one for me in this particular offseason was that. Uh, getting rid of Mike Smith and his money. Was Letting that... Shane Payne retire, I think, is a great thing for the league and the team. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're going to need a guy like Dylan Strom to, to step up to the plate here. But Clayton Keller is a pretty promising prospect. Um what else do they got going on here? Dave Bolin? <laughs> Just kidding. Um, no, they got <laughs> they got Derek Stepan in, in that deal with New York. They look, it's one of those things where it's a roster where you can see what they're trying to do. No, I think they're, they're, the only person that they're, they're stuck to um, over any length of time is Stepan and Goligoski. 
Rogowski uh, was a little bit of a reach, but Stepan, you know, he's a he's still a decent player, and quite frankly, yeah. six point five is irrelevant when you're talking about nineteen million in cap space. Yeah, but all, all I'm saying is that he's got contract flexibility. He's not on the hook to any contract that would be considered a long-term bad contract. Um, he will be able to dabble. Um, it, actually, this would be really interesting. It's it's like they look like they're projecting up, but they don't have a bonafide number one game-changing forward. They've got Oliver Ekman Larson. Well, it depends on, I guess, the Clayton Keller opinions. He's probably not there yet, but I everything I hear about him, he's pretty pretty good. Oh, that's all right then, because like they never bottomed all the way out and got a top five pick. Well, for... they 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 raced with Buffalo, and they lost because they beat Buffalo. <laughs> yeah. Remember when Jersey beat Pittsburgh in 1983 yeah. or whatever? Yep. Yeah, they lost by winning. And uh, Buffalo got Eichel as a consolation prize. So what needed to happen for Arizona was Buffalo getting McDavid, so they could have got Eichel, and it did not play out that way. Yeah. It's just I, you sit there and you, you look at the roster here, and it'll just hit that middle of the pack, not quite playoff, not good enough for a I – I hate the fact that the draft rules always change but less likely to be able to get a top five pick in the draft. And that just makes this challenge tougher. Now, like you said, Chuck has done a great job of leveraging teams against their own cap predicament. He will start losing some of that leverage when the cap space starts getting up, get eaten up by the youth he's going to have to pay. So, you know, they, he needs got like Anthony Duclair is still not signed yet. It's like, is he going to be bust? Is he going to be a bust, or is he going to be what it looked like he was going to be at some stage? So, Or will he be a trade chip? He's going to be one of those poor guys that hops around. <laughs> so we did get a few questions, and at let's go pen 67, underscore 67, will Arizona make the playoffs this year? And uh, based on kind of where we have them right now, I do not think the Pacific Division will be sending five teams, so... Uh, yeah, I think they might be stoked. Yeah, not yet. But um, I think the other thing I wanted to mention on Arizona, Ekman Larson only has this year next year. You better have a sense of confidence that you're going to re-sign him. Otherwise, start the process of Maybe trading him with term to maximize the uh, what you get back. So if you like, you're allowed to start negotiations slash sign the deal at the start of your last year. So next summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but, if they, but you're not gonna know. Well, let's be honest. What I don't care what the rule says. They they can get a general sense of, hey, do you want to be here? No. Well, let's move on now. Yeah, because like you said, they're not content. This roster, I would be surprised if they contend for a playoff spot. Um, Why would Ekman Larson want to stay there? If the next, well, this is one of those things where I would, 
I would suggest at the end of 1819, I actually think this roster will be in a playoff position. I think they'll have turned it around. Um, but that's the end of his contract. So what are you going to do? Gamble on the fact that, yes, you know that what you're doing is right. You're going to get in the right spot and he'll sign. And sign for how much? He's got you by, got you by a short He's at that point. <laughs> 10 mil. Or something like that, right? Yeah. The NHL really needs the cap ceiling to start pushing up. Yeah. They're um, they're getting better. It was never going to be a quick process. Uh, Shike is going to have to continue to make small gains by using his cap space to his advantage, by maybe eating money to get draft picks. But at the same time, they're, they're going to need to start hitting on, on the draft picks. I'm not saying they haven't. It's just what how their model right now is they, they need something. Well, nobody has anybody won a cup without having players they've acquired through the draft be main drivers? No one's sort of built it from free agency since the cap, have they? Everyone's main players have been their draft picks. Um, just running through quick. I guess the Ducks, you could make a mild argument that need a Meyer and Pronger. Was that that was pre that was pre lockout, wasn't it? No. Is that post lockout? All right, well, so they, seven. But so they, they still they, had Getzlaff and Perry, and uh, whether you want to, I mean, Solani. Technically not a draft pick, I guess, but he he had been there for so long. Yeah, that's all. It's just it feels as though this is going to be the tough way to do it. <laughs> no point taken, for sure. That's just the way it is these days. It is. Um, yeah. Here's Who's where we might mean? disagree on the next one. Yeah. I'm leaning towards the California team. Which one, though? Oh, wait, I forgot. No, I think we'll agree on this one. It's the next one. Uh, I have the Kings. Yeah, so do I. I didn't see him there. Stupid phone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> great off season in the sense that they dropped Dean Lombardi. Well, that's a big But that doesn't itself. erase Dean Lombardi's um, <laughs> destructive roster building. Well, his fingerprints are still all over this thing, and it will be for quite some time. Yeah, the the they fell off really fast. Uh, the Dustin Brown thing's going to hurt him for a while. Gabarik giving, um, you know, Gabarik even in his younger years had had issues staying on the ice. Kopitar at ten million moving forward is. Um, I don't know what they were supposed to do there other than pay him, but you're going to get diminishing returns on that contract. Um, I'm not grouping that with a Dustin Brown contract. No, I'm just no, saying. Kopitar, fantastic player, but um, probably a little older than some would think. That's what happens when you're uh, underrated for quite a long time. When people start paying attention, they think you're 22 or something, and you're already 30. Jeff Carter's great contract. No problems with that. Toffoli also pretty good. Uh, I guess the big thing with the Kings, they've their f- points per 60 when you look down their lineup is pretty crappy from the last few years. And 
you know, the analytics community, it's going to be a nice little test study of system versus uh, individual talent, uh, some hypothesis uh, out there, and, you know, I've, I myself included, uh, it was it Sutter's system that was driving uh, low-quality shots that were harming the ability to generate offense but boosting uh, possession numbers. And we'll see because John, John Stevens, right? Yeah. Has yeah. already pledged to make some changes on that front. And, you know, some of these players, uh, even if you change that system up, I'm not sure there's individual ability there, but for players like Kopitar who probably could have been generating more offense over the years. It'll be interesting well, it, to see what happens there. I know Toffoli could probably bounce back. We look at how well Jeff Carter has done in the system that he's in. If yeah, he does he's get what a great player. I, I underrated him for a long time. I did mainly because he used to play for the Flyers, and I didn't want him to be any good. So yes. I just remember Flurry always robbing him <laughs> for whatever reason. It yeah. just always happened to be Carter on those. It happens uh, occasionally, doesn't it, when when goalies get a get in a guy's head. But I the thing with the thing with this roster, I think, is if they do open it up and they do make it so they can try to get higher quality shots, is that going to uh, come at the cost of allowing more shots the other way? And if that's the case, will they give up? better quality shots than they have previously. And that Probably. would be... And, okay, so this is where all those Jonathan Quick fans have to come out, and this is one of those sort of years where it's like things have changed in front of Quick. One, he has to stay healthy enough that you can make a fair assessment of him, which will be difficult with the way he plays. And two, does he stop the, the goals that you need him to stop? I just don't think he does. Well, he's, you know, we talk about Flurry a lot. They're both very athletic and have a tendency they're to in, let the wonky ones go. They're in the same, I reckon they're basically the in the same environment. Flurry in Pittsburgh was absolutely loved by 90% of the fans that were there. Um, as a player, as a person, I think almost everybody loved him. But as a player, 90% um, of the fans liked him. Outside of Pittsburgh, though, you can see fans and analysts seeing the flaws in his game. This is like the exact same thing with Jonathan Quick. You know, a lot of Kings fans think Quick's the best thing since sliced bread, and those that are looking at it without any emotional attachment to it can see the flaws in his game. And if the Kings open up, his athleticism has two things that could work for him. It could be brilliant because everything is so bang, 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 his initial reaction will work, but if it's not that, it could get nasty for him, like it did for Fleury there for a couple of years. Coming off injury, too. And he's, yeah, it's tough. What he does, plays, plays. Being the best thing since sliced bread. I hope you like that bread for six more years. <clears throat> That's the other. It could get very stale very quickly. So, yeah, six more years on that contract. What do you do if you're Rob Blake and say this this season turns to the point where you go, we're not going to make the playoffs. You've got one more year left of Drew Doughty at 7 mil. You know this this team is 
difficult to start moving stuff around with. Do you try and move him for high-level youth or high-level draft picks? Yeah, you hold Toronto hostage. Have to, don't you? You start leaking rumors of Toronto interested in Dowdy and get everybody riled up in Toronto, (laughs) believing in it, and then, uh, you know, (laughs) something like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's one of those things where if this if this does go pear shaped, look, and it might not, but if it does go pear shaped for them and they're, they're in the right get, division, I mean, they are. But if they end up if they end up right on the edge of the bubble again, they're sort of in that no man's land again. And whilst you've got guys like Kopitar, Brown, and Carter and Gabrick for the length of time that you have, they're, they're almost forced to have to go for it. No man in no man's land. Yep. Good fish song. So, I and the funny thing is, their most tradable asset is technically their most valuable player, the Audi. Yep. I mean, they can make the playoffs. Don't want to rule them out here, but I think they're trending in that. It'll be interesting. They could find themselves in a Vancouver kind of middle ground soon. I- I can't see them making the playoffs. I just can't. There are too many better teams in front of them, even if some of them fall off for what they were last year. I can't see them being in front of them, any of the next 14. I won't be rooting for them to make it unless I see a, a more entertaining product. They're, they were just a, change. Yeah, one of the worst. They're one of, they've been one of the worst watches in the sport. So we'll see. Um, next up, I got uh, San Jose. I have Edmonton. Okay. Which one do you want to do? Uh, we'll do San Jose first. Okay. It's a flip a coin for these two teams, I think. reason I say that, I have some mild concerns about... Uh, maybe they're more than mild. Joe Thornton's even strength uh, point production was not very good uh, last year. And while I was willing to ignore that in my selfish Joe Thornton to Pittsburgh early free agency stuff <laughs> that was because he would be a third line center getting pretty cool minutes behind the two of the best centers in the league he has to be the number one center for san jose he's carrying the load yeah so i think it's a lot to ask yeah for it's, him it's a Funny roster now. You just look at that forward depth and it's like, where's it gone? I mean, Marlowe going bye-bye is not a bad move by then. But it, for me, it seems counterproductive if you're going to bring Thornton back as well. Like, I just... If they let Marlowe go and then they let Thornton go, you can go, all right, we're moving in a different direction with the franchise. We've got all this free cap space. Let's try and find some younger assets. Let's try and find a way to, to pry um, Duchesne out of Colorado or somewhere like that. But this just feels like a team sitting. Yep. And I, I think I got a question. Hold on a second. Yeah, and I think Martin Jones will, will, will be what makes this teammate the playoffs. 
He'll be the reason. Uh, tweet from Bojangles. It's a Boge. Is the shark's window finally closed? I, I think yeah. Yeah, not for the playoffs, but definitely for the cup. Great running. Uh, ran into Pittsburgh, unfortunately. Yeah, and that was uh, that was a flying Pittsburgh team as well that year. Probably would have beat any other East team that year. But yeah, just Joe Thornton's older now. Logan Couture uh, coming off injury, right? Yeah, well, baby Joe's thirty-three as well. Yeah, that's the thing. Like Joe Pavelski's like, oh, the younger Joe, and it's like, uh, yeah, technically, but like, pe- I think people's perception of him is like twenty-seven. Yeah, people forget that. Well, I suppose they might not this year, but Thornton is thirty-eight. Like you marvel at how well Yeager's gone past forty, but Thornton's ability to produce at the high level he has up to thirty-seven was amazing. And if he continues to have that, that aging curve drop-off, they're in trouble. They don't have a legit first-line center on that roster. Couture's not bad, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, that's all. So it, it's the... Hurdle's got to bounce back for them. Well, yeah, he has to try and stay in one piece. Malcolm Carlson as well. I need him to... to, to Bodker was the crappy signing that, you know, I think was predictable. Well, he's a power play specialist. He might actually get a chance on there now that Marlowe's gone, but I don't think he was taking first-line minutes last year on the power play. They've got some problems moving forward, though. Um, And I know it's going to sound crazy that I would throw Brent Burns into this, but that contract is a very large contract. And it's not going to match up with being competitive. No, the length of that contract's a killer. And Vlasic is the worst one, because he's past 30, right? Well, yeah. Yeah, Well, he's 30, Burns is 32. Burns is 32? Yeah. Their contracts go on for infinity. The problem you've got is there's going to be a compliance buyout. Which one of those two do you compliance buyout? You're not going to get two, you'll get one. Mm, I'm not so sure. There were multiple ones last time around. Was there? Pretty sure. <clears throat> I thought it was just, I thought you literally just had one, but I might have that wrong. Vlasic starts next year at making seven mil. That's a lot yeah. for a player that doesn't really... Um, good player right now, but wow. But I just think contract came up for them at the wrong time. Like for both of those players in the Sharks situation, both of those guys came up at the wrong time of, of their career. You couldn't let them walk. You needed them for the run to the Stanley Cup. So you weren't going to trade them that year when they were at the tail end of their deals there. Brent Burns has turned into a a fan favourite, or well, league favourite really, because of his personality. So they couldn't let him go there either. So And he won a Norris. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it is one of those things, though, but you're paying him now for 8 by 8 for what? Diminishing returns. That's the that's the reality of it. I mean, at some point, maybe this will start to change and GMs will stop doing this for these length of time. 
But until sort of everybody gets on board with that, I don't know what's going to happen. You're going to have these contracts at the tail end of... It would have taken a hell of a progressive GM to move Brent Burns based on the timing of this. And, yeah, I'm not suggesting that it was ever going to happen with any of the 30 GMs that are floating around at the moment, but that contract is is probably going to hinder them changing their roster significantly over the next three years. Same with Vlasic. They've got two of them. I feel Everybody like I should else. say that I still love Paul Martin while we're on the Sharks. <laughs> well, why not? See, he's, he's 4.85 to 38. Doesn't look so bad now, looking at those other two contracts. Paul, steady Eddie. Still was acceptable last year. Well, it's no coincidence that he played with Brent Burns and look at the year Brent Burns had. Yeah, he's just going to kind of help facilitate things. I miss watching him play on a nightly basis. Very cerebral. Uh, if you like the finer points of the sport, he's fantastic to watch. Stick on puck. So... Uh, I guess Martin Jones, his his contract starts next year too. Five point seven five mil for. It's like some of these guys got handed Stanley Cup contracts, but they didn't win the cup. That makes sense. Yep. You know, it's a little bit like the the Capitals, unfortunately. You know, dominated through the era of, of where they were expected to, but just never quite got the. Final result that they would have hoped. Well, that sounds about right. So they're, they're they're kind of middle of the pack of their division now, as far as I see. I could see them missing the playoffs. I could. I, I think they'll make it, but yeah. Tough ask. I don't know who I have next. To be well, I have Ed next. So we can we can do that. I'm not um, going to commit to. Sticking them there, I might um, might have Edmonton as high as two. Yeah, that's fair enough. But we can talk Edmonton right now. Edmonton's more of a win now than you would like to think with a Connor McDavid fresh off his first extension. Yep, and it's all got to do with their contract structure. <laughs> I just have to peg Edmonton because I think they'll probably end up trading Nugent Hopkins. Well, I, I suppose my my biggest concern with this roster is can Ken Talbot repeat that again with the workload that he had last year and this year? Like, they need him to play less games um, because there were suggestions that he may have burnt out a little bit in the playoffs as they went along. And I'm like... Yeah, Cam Talbot was great for them. Any step back from that, um, you know, it's going to, you know, hurt him. Yeah, but they need to play him less. Like, you get there and go, he is 30, people. He's not He's not a 25-year-old goalie that's sort of come out of nowhere. He, he backed up Henry Lundqvist for quite a few years. So you, you've got to get there and, and understand that if he goes and plays – 60 games again and, and wins you 40 of them or 50 of them, is he going to be right to, is he going to be right to play in the playoffs again? And I think they should play less and prepare for the playoffs more. 
And if they do that, they're going to get exposed. The more I, I look at the, the roster and looking at some, you know, losing Aberly is not great. Ryan Strom is at times shown some good offense production at even strength, but I think that was two years ago. Where's Dreisaitl going to play? We talked about that on the previous podcast. Is he going to center his own line, or is he going to stay up with McDavid? Like, Connor McDavid's good enough to really move the needle as much as any player in this league as far as getting standings points. So, non-goalie, I should say. The biggest the biggest thing for me, I think, for McDavid is if Dreisaitl can jump into the, the 2C spot, then the two of them can carry this team and be way higher than the fourth that I have them in the division. But if hey, Drysaddle, go ahead, sorry. If Drysaddle has to pony up next to him, I just think it shallows out the roster a little bit too much. And that's that's not trying to say Nugent Hopkins isn't a great, isn't a good second line center, but having him as a great third line center would be much better for the team depth. Yeah, and that's assuming Strom bumps to the wing. Because I just don't think Lucic will be able to keep up. No, that was so, a stupid signing. So you've got six mils sitting on the third line. Doing what? Watching UC and take his minutes. Yeah, most likely. That was, yeah, that a good was signing. exciting. Yeah. Um, they'll need someone like Puljarvi to not be an AHL player this next year. I mean, they took him, what, third overall? Yeah. You'd like to see some gains um, in development there. I don't mind their defense as much as before. I mean, Hall for Larson is a shitty trade. There's really no... (laughs) People want to justify, oh, Larson filled in, and it's like, stop. But he is there. It was just terrible trade value. Uh, so, Clefbaum, very good. Sakara probably still has another okay year left in him. He's got to just not fall apart. That's their biggest problem. Chris Russell is another one of those stupid signings uh, along the lines of Lucic, where they're just burning $10 million to burn $10 million, and that's going to really hurt them moving forward. Uh, Darnell Nurse is going to have to, um, you know, step up. There's, not, there's nothing wrong with expecting your youth to step up. And you and I often preach you, you need to try and get the most out of the ERC contracts while you've got them, for obvious reasons, because McDavid's 12.5 mil next year, right? So if, if everything goes to plan, then this team will be a lot higher than the fourth I have in place. They'll probably be second or first in the division. I just don't trust... The old school decisions that Chiarelli's made basically is probably where I sit. I don't trust that Lucic will be productive for the cap hit that he's got, and I think the same of of Russell. And I, I think those two big holes will, will be very difficult for McDavid to carry all on his own, particularly if Talbot regresses even slightly. If they lose McDavid for a month or so. Might uh, put a big dent in their standings. So the issue you have with that, though, is if they lose McDavid for a month, then 
the team got constructed right. Everything is hint is everything that we're talking about with this team is under the impression that Connor McDavid is going to win the Hart Trophy and the scoring title. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with thinking that because it's a pretty good. I, and I believe that that will be the case, but <laughs> anything outside of that is problem. If, yeah, if there's a disaster at all, which I hope not, because I want to actually watch a few more Edmonton games this year, um, just to see what he can do um, and have him do it with 24 minutes a night, because that's what they're going to play. They're going to have to. Um. I do have an Edmonton question. I think we've covered a little bit of it from Lassiter yep. to 42-42. Who are Edmonton's drivers other than Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and who are the passengers? Um, who else would – what, does Cliff Bomb drive enough? Because, yeah, to be honest – Yeah, I think so. Because it's like, that'd be it. That'd be the three that are drivers. Everyone else is a passenger trying to get as much out of themselves as they can. Passenger, I think, comes with negative connotation. I think Nugent Hopkins and Jokinen are um, capable players. Oh, yeah, I wasn't arguing that, which you knew, which is why you made the clarification. But those three are the ones that, that push the needle. You know, Nugent Hopkins doesn't get buried. Yushi Jokinen very rarely gets buried. Everybody else relies on somebody else for them to, to produce, whether that's shots or whether that's, uh, actual counting stats, um, and that's the that's the challenge. It was the challenge that Crosby and Malcolm went through when they were in this situation with uh, McDavid. Yeah, Lucic and Russell would be my two that are just um, detriment. Lucic to me feels like he could be the Girardi of forwards this year. Um, I. Yeah, I guess. There's potential for that. Because he barely kept up last year. He's you know, going to be 30 at some stage this year. Um, and they're going to probably camp him next to one of the two top centers on the team. And it's like, right. He's going to be able to get to the places he needs to get to and not give up penalties. Yep. So... Connor stays healthy, I think they'll be all right. If he doesn't, they won't be all right. So, who do you have second? Mm, I haven't really decided yet. <laughs> if Calgary signs Yager, I'll put him first. <laughs> we'll, we'll run with Calgary being second because I reckon they will be. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I think overall they're... There are mistakes on this roster, but I think they're, they're it's a better team than Edmonton. The defense is great. Yep. And that will cover the holes they have up front. The fact that they've got top four that can suppress shots and move the puck both with their skates and passing ability um, should really help the forwards that need to get the puck in the neutral zone with speed fly. Giordano and Hamilton are arguably the best pairing in the league, and then you're coming back with Brody and Hamonic. That's really good. And you could conceivably have both of those pairs play 50 minutes between them for the night if you wanted. Johnny Goudreau is great. Sean Moynihan, 
pretty good. Frolik, underrated. Michael Backlund, severely underrated. Versteeg, the value signing that just, you know, chips in. Uh, Matthew Kachuk had top-end even-strength scoring last year. And, um, yeah, the, there's some good there. Now Brower sucks. And yeah, Sam everybody. Bennett Sam Bennett could stand to improve. And I see Curtis Lazar's name on here some for some reason. Um, but that's, that's the throw Yager into this mix. Yeah, I know. The, that's the thing. It's like, are they reluctant to bring him in because he doesn't quite have the pace that they feel they need to play with? They should learn their lesson about that. Yager has a place on all 31 teams. You're not going to hear me argue that. The thing that's interesting with Bennett and You're going to run Troy fucking Brower out there and you're going to have a problem with Yager? Well, maybe they go, shit, we can't have two of them. But yes, I agree. If you were going to have to pick between either of them, I know the one that I would much rather have. For three years and $4.5 million too. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I no. take Yager at three years, $4.5 million up way before Troy Brower right now. When he's going to end up at 50 after it. I know what you mean. I just, yeah. Honestly, little... if Yager in the rumor, you know, you hear about it, I really like that. That's perfect. They have a great defense, good, uh, enough good forwards, and you throw, throw Yager in there. Suppose it's one of those. Traveling Yagers are already there. Come on. <laughs> is, Lazar just, is Lazar just considered a complete bust? He's not going to turn out to be what people think he was going to be? remember in Ottawa, um, just seeing tweets about him um, from the likes of Travis Yost and some other Ottawa um, people that followed the team. And I don't recall seeing too many positive uh, remarks. He was a high draft pick with more of a... And I think that's why he gets to stick around. I think if he was a fifth-round draft pick, is... he'd be on his ass already. Yeah, yeah. Seventh, 17th overall. There you go. Because you, you get there and you talk about the... If we go back to Edmonton for a quick second, you talk about the youth that they need to step up on their ELCs to do well, right? Well, Sam Bennett's an RFA, so Calgary have, have got him by the short and curlies in regards to how much he can demand. So don't expect too much more uh, cost out of Bennett. But if Curtis Lazar suddenly does flick a switch, not saying it'll happen, and they've got Matthew to chuck on, on um, you know, the ELC... All of a sudden, they're, they're sort of depth out quite well. And if you do throw in a guy like Jaeger, you can fuck Troy Brower off the first or second line and keep him on the third and the fourth line. And, um, you know, they got seven mil in cap space, so it's not like they can't. I mean, Sam Bennett, what leverage does he have right now? Not enough to destroy that space that they've got on the go. You know, Mike Smith's a question mark in that, but they have, they've had some issues with goaltending. I, I like the Brian Elliott move. It just didn't really pan out. Oh, I can't blame them for attempting that. It just sucks for Calgary and their fans that it, 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 it was a disaster in the playoff. But I, um, I like the Flames. Michael Backlund's going to be due quite a raise, though. And once again, that'll be in year 29. So it's another one of those raise contracts that 
can't let him go. No, you can't. This is the thing. I think if the but he, he, I think he's the kind of guy that you could get away with maybe not giving the eight years to. Well, you got to hope that that's the case for. Yep. Yeah, you do. For if you Calgary, if you can overpay him for a mil and a half and only have him for six, I reckon you'd take that. And hope that that's enough to entice him to come back. Great underlying numbers, though. Good player. In my opinion. Yeah. I guess that leaves us uh, with Gordon Bombay's team. I can't believe I put Anaheim. I know, me neither. I guess we're just doing things alphabetically. Well, it's near enough, isn't it? I mean, they they did good last year. Uh, the Carlisle um, it, possession did drop, but thought it would be more severe. I thought they were going to be absolutely a tire fire, and it was pretty completely wrong. I think the issue here, though, is that uh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Age of the fact that their three most important players theoretically are over thirty-two. Um, that I was going to get into a little bit of that. I, I had something that I was going to bring up, but um, oh well. If you, if you have a look at the 17-18 roster as it's constructed, it's still a good roster. Even if Perry, because I thought Perry took a bit of a slide towards the end of the year. If Perry continues down that slope, it can become problematic. Yep, uh, I, I was definitely, oh, yeah, they made the conference final, but I think that was a product of the playoff setup. Well, they're still in the same setup. <laughs> no, I under, understood, but well, you put them first in this division and they make the conference final and we're, like, questioning it. It was more along the lines of, oh, well, I guess Randy Carlisle wasn't that bad. He made it to the conference finals, and it's like, well, you know, when they finally played a real team, they, they didn't get through. But to continue on your point, Corey Perry this season is going to either be a crushing blow to the perception of the player or be a revival kind of uh, redemption year. Which I think is kind of harsh harsh if that is going to affect people's thoughts on Perry because he was awesome. He's been great for a while. Last year he fell off. Yeah. But that shouldn't, and you're right, people look at it and go, well, geez, he's terrible, but he certainly hasn't been in the past. So it's but a bit harsh. can't ignore the cap at an age. Correct. That's that's very, very correct. Uh, Ryan well, Getzlaff is, go ahead. I think the way that the owners and the general managers have set up the salary structure for players has really cornered themselves into this because it's not set up for general managers to pay players when they're young. It's set up so that they don't have to pay them when they're young, and then when they get to the point where they have to pay them, they're past the point of peak production. It'd be but better for everybody to... if it just went the other way. Yeah, and like I know we're coming up to another CBA, and it would be great if that could get negotiated around. But will it? Because the players have got to get there and go, oh, yeah, we're more happy for the money to go to the younger guys, not us older guys that have had the system, the system already. So how's that going to change? Yeah. Um, Brian Getzlaff has been one of my favorite players for a long time. Uh, I, I do wonder when the dip will happen with him, but 
Fortunately for him, speed's never really been his thing. No, no. So he might be able to Joe Thornton this thing for a bit. Might be a flatter curve, hopefully. He's kind of like a a harder-edged Joe Thornton in the sense that awesome hands, great protecting the puck, not fleet of foot, has a very good shot but just doesn't use it enough. Reads the play very well. Did, I wonder how many times, well, him and Thornton, really, um, have broken up cross-ice passes that looked like that was going to be dangerous, um, but they've managed to negate that. So they might not be the greatest at um, stopping entries into the zone, but their ability to um, defend when in their own zone, I think, is, is quite good. That's what makes them such great centers is their ability to read the play and stop those things off. So if you can maintain that kind of play, then, yeah, one of the reasons why I, I picked them to lead the division. Yeah, Getzlaff's hands are absurd. Yeah, we haven't even discussed Kessler, whose issue is length of contract again and age. But it, it, it is in the now, and yeah. I thought he did an all right season last year. So the, the, the Ducks have to make it happened now before those contracts go bad. So the first three players we've talked about have the ability to be good in 2017-18, even though we're kind of skeptical of of the future, but we're talking about, we're previewing next season. So, I mean, that's that's the hard thing with Thornton. Like, he had a massive drop-off last year, right? And I certainly wasn't predicting that drop-off to occur, and... I, I'm obviously predicting that it's not going to happen to, to the core, like the older core players of this Anaheim team. You, you, it's really hard to predict. Like, I would expect Perry, Getzlaff, Kessler to, to be to be good, um, to very good again. Um, if they get that out of them, then the, the lineup slots in quite nicely. If those guys start falling off being first-line production sort of people, then the load starts to get heavier on those down the lineup, and it starts to get tough. Ricard Raquel's a good player. Silverberg's a good player. Patrick Eves, who I've uh, liked for quite a while, is a good player. I'm not expecting him to do the 30-goal thing again, but um, I've always uh, thought that his his possession and the other things that you can track always painted him in a positive light. Their top four for their back ends all right as well. Yeah. They, um, who'd they lose? Shea Theodore? Yeah, I guess. Um, And that may, in the long run, be the player they didn't want to lose, but that's yet to be decided. Hampus Lindholm, one of the best defensemen in the game. Sammy Vatnin, uh, talented with the puck. The Cam Fowler contract stinks out loud. But he's... Try to tell that to the the old school radio. Josh Manson's pretty okay. Beauchemin in a bottom-pairing role. BX's only got this last year left. Um, you know, don't run Cam Fowler out there as a top pairing guy, and I think you can do okay. Yeah. I like having Ryan Miller behind Gibson. Ryan Miller had a good year last year. Not a bad guy to have as a backup. 50 30 and, you know, make Gibson not have to play 60 on fucking games. So, division they're in. Long-term outlook might not be super, but they're in the now. Yeah, and they're going to be fine for the now, I think. And that's the, that's the thing that sort of freaked me out when I was 
trying to select this. I'm like, what am I doing? I don't, I don't see what's going on here. But you look at it just purely for 17-18, they've still got enough pieces in there to lead the division. Yep. Any um, anything else in the Pacific that we may have overlooked? Uh, not that I can think of. Just wait till we get a month into the season and it's the complete flip of what we've done. And it's like, oh, Jesus. Happens every year. Oh, I know. (laughs) Uh, Did you want to briefly do uh, Will Butcher? Yeah, well, two years at uh, 925,000 for the Devils. So can't blame him for going somewhere where he's going to get to play. Yep. I um I talked a lot about Buffalo being a good good fit for him, but Ray Shero has certainly uh, a nice history with college players. Um, you know, a lot of them you've seen in the spotlight on Pittsburgh's last two Stanley Cup runs. So um, playing time, potentially power play time, ability to earn a larger next contract, it all kind of makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's, he's gone into a tough division. I mean, you look at some of the forwards he'll have to be defending against. It's something else that I kind of forget about sometimes is some high-end talent there that he's going to have to be pretty good at stopping. Yep, and if you can't, so be it. Low-risk uh, acquisition there. And, you know, it. I liked how there didn't seem to be the antimosity towards him for taking the free agency route like uh, Jimmy VC from a year ago. Yeah, that I never understood that either. So it's nice to see that I think more people are latching on to the fact that, uh, that it is a smart business move. It's a, it's an acceptable move, and um, it's the move the player should make and uh, not to be criticized for it. No, it's exactly right. In a system that doesn't give you a lot of flexibility uh, when you're young, if you get an opportunity to find some, use it. Uh, what else is out there? It's uh, Ryan Malone. His name get thrown out for a PTO in Minnesota. I say good for him. I think he's trying to take advantage of the non-NHL Olympics. Maybe he earns an AHL contract so that he can play on a regular basis and then go play for Team USA again. So <clears throat> say it's not that, right? The thing that frustrates me about this is um, general managers and coaches don't seem to trust youth. And this just feeds into it again. It's like, why does he get a PTO? Surely Minnesota have got young guys. PTOs are fine. There's no binding anything. Oh, he lives in Minnesota. Cliff, Cliff Fletcher was with the Penguins when Malone came yeah. in. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying, don't you? You know, I didn't. You know, I wouldn't give Jay McClellan a PTO if I'm the Penguins, but they did. But I don't. I don't. It's not a big deal. The, Ryan Malone is not taking a spot from um, somebody who can make a dent. You would hardly just so. body at camp. What did you think about the Alex Winberg signing? Six years, 4.9 for CBJ? Um, 
I didn't really have too many strong feelings about it. I looked at his hero chart and it was a little more blah than I thought it was going to be for the money. Yeah, that was that was my feeling too. I don't know if there's a belief that he's got more to give on uh, and, and improve. So I can't claim to be a Winberg expert. I can't claim to have been doing much research at research at all this uh, in August. I haven't done shit. So um, I'm just shooting off the cuff right now. It seems like a, a little bit of money uh, just based on that quick glance that I saw. It feels like an overspend. I think his goals were two out of ten or something. And it's more. You think, than... you think a forward at five million, you'd like to see a little bit more even strength goal scoring? Yeah, it, it's just the length. It's six years. Like, I think he's young though. I think he'll get a good six if he is the player they think he is. Yeah. Right or no? No, you, you're right. It's the the six years freaked me out a little bit, but he is younger than I thought, so. I could probably wind back that that fear for Columbus in the holy crap they've given six years to him and it's like well that's all right he is only maximum twenty two so they'll be done at twenty eight at worst so works out so okay. maybe he grows into the twenty four to twenty six year old range and uh, the five million works out I think there's certainly potential for that yep and yep. I think the other thing I wrote about today was. Oh, what the hell is his name? Dana Sarapov? Is it? Who's a what's it? Yeah, I know. I I never heard of him. The uh, KHL guy. They the got who? banned for doping. Oh no! I didn't even hear about that. Good grief. Okay, so he's thirty six years old. Malkin was recently uh, quoted as saying, "Yeah, I'd like to have him on my line." Uh, there are other NHL teams that are, have interest in him. So he's banned from the IIHF and the KHL for doping, but the NHL doesn't agree with it, so he's clear to play in the NHL. Jeez, that sounds wrong. I didn't read too much into what it was or anything like that, but you know what? At the end of the day, uh, if he's clear for the NHL and it's open for business, uh, free asset, it's just like college free agents. It's a free asset. Correct. So 36 kind of worried me uh when i first read it but his his KHL numbers are really good so the, the only fear is is if they go 36 year old and give him two years that's or one. Start... yeah so if you give him, if you one, give him one give him one that's fine he's about a point of game player the last four years and uh, that's in magnitogorsk so malkin you know, that's his hometown, and <laughs> I'm sure he, his former team, I'm sure he keeps tabs on it. Um, KHL's tougher to, to point in than the NHL. So I did the NHL numbers has a uh, tool you can download to do the uh, – Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. And I think at 82 games it came out to 62 points. Nothing to – it's better than a poke in the eye of the blunt stick. So – you know, if you take a flyer on him for one year, pretty cheap. Uh, Pittsburgh's left wing depth is, you know, not terrific, I guess. Especially if Gensel has to play center. No, they they need to sort that out. <laughs> but there are other teams that could certainly sign him. Um, 
and it was just an interesting name that I thought I'd throw out there, considering it's it's August. He does look like a Russian Max Talbot, though. <laughs> From what I saw. So we'll see. Anything else you want to discuss? Nope. I think I'm going to couch tour. Oh, I think that'll do us. You want to run through everything? Well, you know where to find us by now, hopefully. It's uh, at hockey underscore herds, at gunner store, at walshy66. We're on Facebook as well. We've got the website at Hockey Hurts where you can find all the back catalogue, also the occasional thing that I write and the very occasional thing Gunner writes. Um, you can find him actually at uh, hockeybuzz.com. That's where all of his, his stuff is. Um, apart from that, there's not a lot else to say. Oh, yeah, we've got our, um, our Patreon page if you'd like to contribute at all. That would be much appreciated. And uh, review us on iTunes if you can. It just helps get the podcast out there. I think you got it all. Woohoo! All right. Well, Saturday night, Sunday morning for you. It is. All right. Till next time. Which division? We don't know yet, but we'll do one of them. See you. See you, guys. <laughs>